very peculiar, don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can't hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah, you see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no. Not a stick. Hey, where are you going? I'm going back. Good. Go on. Get out of here. <laughs> The weather report is in. Change is in the air. It's here. It's among us. And like Simba and Lion King, we're faced with a dilemma. Do we remain hidden from ourselves and our community due to fear that our past is too big to overcome? Do we let doubt keep us from obtaining our highest truth? Or do we jump into the abyss and say, yes. Yes, to see challenge as a gift. Yes, to see challenge of change as a gift. An opportunity, a possibility. As that great teacher said, change allows us the opportunity and the ability to apply learning from the past and release its grip on our lives. Change is our new beginning to a better ending. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, indeed, we need you to rain on us. Breathe on us. Bring your living waters into this place and bring healing into our lives, into the church, to this body. And gracious God, indeed, change is all around us, so we need something, someone to trust, solid rock to stand. So we ask now as we open our minds and our hearts to your word this day, God, that you would give us the courage to become your living word in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is a great thought. Change is a gift. A gift of unwrapped potential. Our new beginning to a better ending. But fairy tales, don't they always end so good? <laughs> What basis do we have to believe our story will indeed end so well? How can we be so confident to jump into the depths of our lives? Where do we find strength to make that leap of faith? Especially when the speed of change today is so fast that it makes our minds ache. It's increasingly difficult to even reconcile the rhythms of our day with the 24-hour newscast. There seem to be even more dramatic endings and more dramatic beginnings all around us. Birth, death, breakups, breakdowns, relocation, aging, career changes. Not to mention the fact that the world itself sometimes seems irrevocably altered. All of this seems to have us floating or bobbing in this sea of change. And when change is all around, and it always will be, what are we called to do? Who are we called to be in the midst of change? 
Well, our two readings today invite us to go deep when the surface of our life is this changing atmosphere. One reading is from Mark Nepo's book, The Book of Awakening, and he calls this going deep thing spiritual fishing. When the external world around us is moving, we're to drop our line into the deep of our internal world. We're to go fishing for food in our soul. I don't know about you, but when I think about what I might drag up, if I was to stop dealing with all the change around me long enough to go fishing, I'm not sure I'd like what I'd find. And anyway, I think I'd just rather sit and shred some water, because if I don't, I might drown. And those shells of hidden pain and seaweed of my stagnant waters, that is not the most inviting fishing expedition that I can think of. Yet, if we fish the waters of our spirit, the author says we will find spiritual nourishment. It will provide food for our days and perspective of the deep. He says it's the only way to survive in this ever-changing atmosphere. In our second reading today, Jesus cries out with the same sort of urgency, and he offers to be the life jacket as we drift on the sea of change. But he too suggests that if we drop our line into the soul, into the spirit, there are living waters flowing there. This means there are indeed living, life-giving sustenance in those deep places of our being. He says, all who are thirsty, come unto me and drink. Believe in me. Through you will flow living waters from your innermost being. If we stop and consider the context from which Jesus is offering this imitation of faith, we can learn just how dramatic and radical a statement he's making. You see, Jesus stands and, and proclaims this on the last day of a Jewish festival of tabernacles, and he cries out to the crowd. He's trying to get our attention. He is trying to open our minds to a new word. You see, the festival of tabernacles is one of the pilgrimages that brings all the Jews together into the temple of Jerusalem. And they come together and they celebrate their God story, their faith. They come from all over and they set up these little tents, these little shelters all over the city. It's like a giant family reunion of God's people. This popular festival, which still takes place today, is rich in symbolism. Each day of the feast includes a water ceremony. There's a procession of priests and they descend to the south border of the city and there's a large spring bubbling up there which flows into the pool of Siloam. And there the priest feels that pitcher of flowing water as the choir is chanting behind him from Isaiah 12:3, You will with joy draw water from the wells of salvation. And the priest moves forward and walks through the city and carries it back up to the hill to the water gate, and he's followed by these crowds, and they have tree branches. They have a tree branch in the right hand, and this branch is, is, is to remember the, the, the ceiling or the roof of these little shelters that they've built that they had when they were in exile. And in the other hand, they have a branch, a citrus branch, to celebrate the harvest memory of the harvest. And they're shaking these and they're singing as that priest is carrying that water. 
and they're processing back to the temple. And the priest would climb the altar steps and pour that water, and the crowd would circle him and continue singing, singing their psalms. On the seventh day of this festival, this procession took place seven times, and that is where Jesus arrives. You see, this water ceremony has meaning on multiple levels. On the one hand, it's a plea to God for rain, since the autumn is a time of threat and drought in Israel. On the other hand, it's a memorial to the wilderness journey and God's provision of water from a rock. Therefore, the pouring out of the water represents both a testimony of God's presence and provision of the past and hope for life's, God's life-giving water in the future. But it is more than just rain for the crops and the fruit. The water is also a symbol of hope that one day God's life-giving water would flow out of God's temple. Prophets had proclaimed this would happen. As many prophets as Zechariah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Joel, they all speak of visions of waters and rivers flowing from the temple in a miraculous display of God's presence, God's arrival. The Messiah is what these scriptures and these visions were talking about. It was the hope of the ultimate blessing of God's salvation. So this water ceremony is a spectacular vision that weaves these people from their past, hope for their future. And it's when Jesus arrives and he stands in the crowd and he cries out, let anyone who thirsts come unto me. Come to me, believe in me. From you, from your innermost being shall flow rivers of life-giving water. Jesus is, is trying to get our attention. Jesus is trying to let us see something with new eyes. He's taking this religious ceremony and he's reframing it. He's saying, believe me. Hear me. Salvation has come. The reign of God is here. What the prophets envisioned is among you. Yes, bring your water jugs. Thank God for provision and meet together and pray that God's rain will fall in your lives. But Jesus says, believe it. Believe me. Salvation has come. Amen. Salvation is in the now moment of our lives. And it's ready to overflow from our innermost being. We're invited to believe that we have a new reality. A fresh word has been spoken, people, but it's been spoken about us. We're invited to believe that we are safe, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, and our past can no longer define us or hold us or even dare contain the living waters that desperately need to break from our inner lives. In 1989, I know it was a while back, there was a movie called The Abyss. Director James Cameron did this one, and so you know he created an epic underwater adventure. The adventure begins when a military submarine mysteriously sinks, and government suits decide to arrange a team of Navy SEALs and a woman scientist named Lindsay to take over a deep-sea oil rig to help in the rescue mission. This mission becomes a wondrous odyssey into the unknown as forces from the deep begin to make contact with the divers. Now for Bud, the captain of the oil rig, 
and his estranged wife, which happens to be that scientist named Lindsay, who's now in his life uninvited. It becomes a test of their physical, emotional, and spiritual limits. You see, Lindsay's one of the first that goes into the deep to explore the wreckage, and when she does, she encounters something beyond belief. In her dive into the deep, she discovers life and light. She tries to photograph this beautiful light and amazing presence that, that's living in the deep waters, but it just doesn't quite sell. That's a great shot, Lex. Did you drop your dive line? <laughs> no, come on, you guys, come on. Now, that's the smaller one. This is the smaller one here. You kind of see how it's zigging around. Yeah, whatever it is. I'm telling you what it is. You're just not hearing me. Now, Lindsay, you... There is something down there. Something not us. You could be more specific. Something that zigs. Not us. Not human. Get it? Something non-human, but intelligent. Please, you have to trust me. Now, I don't think they mean us any harm. I don't know how I know that. It's just a feeling. Jeez. I'm, not, I'm supposed to go on a feeling? How can I go on a feeling? You think coffee's gonna go on a feeling? Well, we all see what we want to see. Coffee looks and he sees Russians. He sees hate and fear. You have to look with better eyes than that. We have to look with better eyes, she says. You see, our perception impacts our vision. And so we have to rub our eyes and put on new frames or we'll miss what's right in front of us. This is exactly what Jesus is inviting us to do. In 2 Corinthians, it says, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Our invitation is to see with new eyes our new identity, people of God, we are God's temple. We are the vessels of God's life-giving water. Spirit has come, and it wants to abide and reside in us. We are no longer going to church or the temple to find God. We're going to bring our slice of God. We're on the way, on the way here, we bring our slice, and when we leave here, we bring that slice into the world. So we must go deep, because we need to bring healing to God's temple and to our lives, so that we can be the presence of healing in the world. The reign of God is on earth, and the reign of God wants to be on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, trust me. Abide in me. Let me be that life vest that helps you relax your muscles so you can weather every storm. Let me be your life vest that can help you feel safe enough to calm your troubled waters. But drop that line. Go fishing into your own soul, for it is within you that I will flow. Jesus is crying with urgency. Go within yourself. I am there. Go within yourself and fish for healing all the way to wholeness. I am there. Go within yourself and do the hard work, for that is the place you will find God, and that is the place God will transform the world.
You see, we live into and according to our perceptions of ourselves, and our perceptions we hold for ourselves, we attach to a whole lot of other people. We attach to our churches and our families and friends. And most of our perceptions have come from past experiences, past messages, voices, tapes that play in our head. And these messages and our perceptions of ourselves will play out in our lives. So we have to go fishing. The gospel is about changing those old messages, those old tapes. But we have a new mind. We have a wounded past but a new future. We have old perspectives of God, religion, and faith, but a new reality. Jesus changes those messages and gives us a new lens to see because if we can trust in Christ, then we can be pulled, led, brought, compelled into our best selves. Secures our identity so that we can explore the interior life because that's our calling. To be honest about our internal life, to accept the imitation of the internal journey, that's when we allow God to go to the deep places and turn the bright lights on and we invite spirit, we give spirit room to all those places that need to be drug up and looked at. Every circumstance, no matter how painful, is a gauntlet thrown down by the universe challenging us to become who we're capable of being. Our task, for our own sakes and for the sake of the world, is to do so. Yet for us to become who we most deeply want to be, we must look at who we are now. The invitation to go spiritual fishing is to face issues we've avoided facing, to get to the rock bottom, essential truth. There's a great verse in Philippians 3.16. It says, let us live up to what we have already attained. Allowing ourselves to be pulled into a better future, that's the invitation. Allowing ourselves to become participants of salvation, that's the new reality. The gospel is the promise, potential, and the possibility of the reign of God within you and among you. To whatever extent that I refuse to face the deeper issues that hold me back, to that extent the world will be held back. And to whatever extent I find the miraculous key, transformation in my own life, to that extent I will help change the world. That's what it's about, becoming the change that will change the world. And by doing so, we give public witness to a new humanity. We open up the universal truth that no one takes this trip alone. We return to our friends in the abyss. We find that their journey into the endless night of the ocean depths lays bare that human heart. They have a confrontation of death, love, and something else. The light at that bottom of the ocean, which ultimately saves them. You see, after Lindsay experiences that and she can't quite explain it, she ultimately becomes the voice in Bud's head that reprograms him to understand that he's not alone. And then surrounded by love, surrounded by the company of his friends, he drops into the depths and discovers this light for himself.
Bud. I know how alone you feel. Alone in all that cold blackness. But I'm there in the dark with you. Oh, Bud, you're not alone. I'm with you. I'll always be with you, Bud. I promise that. to me, bud, please. I need to know if you're okay. You see, you see light. What kind of light, bud? Now, I'm not promising this is an easy ride. <laughs> But this is the work we're called to do. It's going to disorient you. It's going to disturb your thinking and unsettle your emotions. But we're tethered to the holy. And we do not make this trip alone. But salvation, the reign of God, it's not a name and claimant type of thing. It's a seek and you shall find expedition. And we need to get on our knees and search for that lost coin, and we need to put people around us that will hold us accountable on this hunt because it's going to get scary. We may need a therapist, an AA group, a personal coach, a spiritual guide, a connection group, whatever it takes to do this daily dive into the temple of God because what's being born within us is living waters that the world needs to survive. When we go on this spiritual fishing expedition, we will discover food for ourselves and food for the world. And we will discover power beyond our belief and light that overcomes any darkness. This might feel like a period of great end, but in fact, it is a time of great beginning. Time to die to who we used to be and become instead who we're capable of being. That's the gift that awaits us. Chance to become who we really are. The gift of change. So church, where the report is in, change is in the air. We're faced with a dilemma. Do we remain hidden from ourselves and our community due to fear that our past is too big to overcome? Do we let doubt keep us from attaining our highest truth? Or do we jump in the abyss and say yes? Yes to the challenge to see change as a gift, an opportunity, and a possibility. I have one last little video clip. It's to remind us, as scary as it gets, to return to a place of innocence. It's what Jesus is inviting us to, to fish without fear or any preconceived notions of failure. Whoa! I did it. You did. Gonna catch a big one?
Right now in our world, in our community, and even in our church, it's an all-hands-on-deck kind of moment. It's not okay to be stuck in smallness when our greatness is so needed. It's time for each of us to face once and for all whatever demons we've chained to our fear and pain and stand up for our better selves as a way of standing up for God and to take our places in God's plan for salvation for the world. It's time to reach deep into ourselves and humbly towards each other for there we will find God and there we will find every answer we're looking for, every solution we desperately seek. This is the time and we are the ones. We need to brave those deep waters and go fishing into our souls for this is the call, this is the challenge. Spiritual maturation, our lives in the deep with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.